Good morning, church. It's great to be able to share with you and speak love today as we continue this journey of love well. Last week, Lockie unpacked what it means to live love. And I loved as he shared the whole concept from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not boast. Does not envy. Is not proud. Nor self-seeking. Love never fails. And so with that, I want us to think through today. That's the filter. That's the lens. So I want us to think through today as we unpack what it means to speak love. I just want to affirm Oscar. Oscar, what a great decision, mate. Praise God. And um, also it's great that a Richmond supporter comes to accept Jesus Christ and is a member of our church. Oh, I mentioned you, Murray. Thank you for speaking love to me this morning. <laughs> um, let's speak love. What does it mean to speak love? As a church, our vision statement is to draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. Do your friends, your family, your church members, those around you, in your workplaces, wherever you are, are they drawn into a loving relationship with Jesus by the words you speak? By the words you share? How do we speak love? How can we speak love to the people around us, to those we care about and to those we love? As you just heard there, and Lockie shared briefly last week, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. You can be speaking, but that's all it sounds like. If you don't speak love, it doesn't have an impact. If you don't speak Jesus' love, it doesn't change lives. If you don't speak Jesus' love, it doesn't draw people to experience him in your life. So what does it mean to speak love? How can I speak love? Today I want to share five keys from the Bible of how we can speak love. The words we use can transform hearts, can share them and show them Jesus. And first of all, let your words and speech be full of grace and let it be salty. Let your speech be full of grace and let it be salty. Colossians says, let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned, I love this word, seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer Everyone. Now, in some versions, you'll find it won't say the word salt, 
But if you go back to the Greek, the word salt is key here because salt gives us a greater insight into what it means to speak love. The Greek word for salt is halatai. Halatai. Say to the person next to you, halatai. And salt here shows us that our words need to be seasoned. Now, you know what it's like when you get some food, like a curry, or there's some sort of food, and you'd go and taste it, and it's like, oh, man, this just isn't complete. It needs some salt. And this is what Jesus is describing here through the words of Paul. He's saying, hey, let your words be seasoned with salt. I've got some great salt here. It's the very fine pink Himalayan salt. And you can buy different salts. Have you ever gone to the supermarket? Next time you go to the supermarket, look at all the different types of salt you can get and brands of salt you can get. Because they make a difference to your food. But if we're likening our words, our speech to salt, then we should be speaking salt at school. We should be speaking salt at work. We should be speaking salt at church. We should be speaking salt with our friends in small group. And I could keep on going on. And Tom, thanks for cleaning and vacuuming the floor. <laughs> but our words need to be that salt seasoning that makes a difference in every area of our life. Let your words be seasoned with salt. You can't have chips without chicken salt. It just doesn't work. And this is the same Jesus saying you can't have a Christian without their words be seasoned with salt. Let your words be gracious, seasoned with salt. Are your words salty? Are your words gracious? Let your words be seasoned with salt and gracious. And we need to learn to tame the tongue. James has a lot to say about this. And he talks a lot about taming that tongue. I tell you what, sometimes when I'm driving to work, going up the highway to Brisbane, there's times I just have to bite my tongue. Because there's traders that come flying through and they cut you off and you go to say something and you're like, what does James say about the tongue? James says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body 
and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell for every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed, has been tamed by mankind. The first four verses of this chapter, James talks about taming animals. He talks about taming a horse and putting a bit in its mouth. And he says every kind of animal can be tamed. But then he comes here and he says, "Uh uh-uh, there's one thing that can't be tamed. Because in verse 8 he says, but no man can tame the tongue. He's an unreally evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. No man can tame the tongue but through the power of Jesus Christ. As we continue to look to him who died on the cross, him who spoke love, who was love, who is love. As we look through his life, we can look to tame the tongue. And, and James doesn't just say that without clarifying how we tame the tongue. In verse 1-9, just before this passage, he shares with us how we do that. He says, so how do we tame that tongue? Because you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in your own power. But with the power of Jesus Christ, he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In my life, I've learned this. That it's better just to sit there and listen. Listen to what that person is sharing. Listen to what that person is saying. Because as you listen, you get depth, insight, wisdom. And it helps you speak with salt and with graciousness. I've got to say, it's quick to become angry. Just the other day on the way to Brisbane, yep, my journey is happening and this tradie in a ute, he comes ripping up from the exit on Helen's Vale and he comes ripping out onto the highway in his ute and I'm in the fast lane and so I just see him in my left sort of blind spot. He comes from there and comes ripping over and they come flying over that highway like anything. And he comes weaving over. And for some reason, I didn't do anything to him. But we're in the fast lane to 110, and next minute, there's no cars in front of him, but the brakes just go on. And he literally stops to about 20 kilometres an hour right in front of me in the fast lane. And I'm... And I was about to say something that I knew wasn't going to be very nice. It wasn't seasoned with salt, but I bit my tongue. All the cars around me, they started honking, and I was like, I can't honk. The guy then pulls out his fist, and he does this, and then he does a sign that points to Jesus. (laughs) 
I could have done the same. But then and there I felt the Spirit say, you just need to pray. And I prayed for this guy. I prayed, Lord, I don't want this guy's life. I don't know what's happened in his life this morning. But Spirit, I pray you may speak into this guy. That he may experience your love and know you. As I finished my prayer, on the back of that ute was a fish symbol. What does that represent? I had goosebumps. If only that man knew who he was representing. I don't know why he was angry at me. I was just mind my own business in the fast lane. And while I could have been angry very quickly, I was slow to get angry, thank goodness. But our world today has men, women, boys and girls, politicians, leaders, That'll speak with anger, with venom, and it hurts. I love James' advice. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Just go to the next slide, if we can. Be slow to speak. So if we tame that tongue, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, let's unpack what it means to be slow to speak a bit more. What does it mean to watch your words? Slow to speak says watch what you say. Watch what you say. The words that come out of our mouth can build up or can tear down. And it's actually funny that Steph shared that little saying this morning because on the way to church, Jan and I are talking about that exact saying and Jan's like, Dad, I don't reckon that saying's true because words do hurt and words hurt more than we can know. I'm sitting there in my head, I'm going, hmm, that's wise words, son. Watch what we say. You can say something in 10 seconds and 10 years later, the wounds will still be there. Joel Olstein writes that. You can say something in 10 seconds and 10 years later, the words will still be there. It hurts. It hurts. Be careful what you say. Watch what you do because actions speak louder than words. In homiletics, that's another big word for what it means to preach. We get taught that it's your actions and how you share that has just as big an impact, if not more, than the words you speak as you're preaching. 
And so your actions can make a difference. For example, and I share this in marriage counselling and in relationship counselling, if you sit there with your arms crossed like this, with those around you, you're creating a barrier. Or if you cross your legs when you're sitting, thank you, if you cross your legs when you're sitting, you're creating a barrier between you and someone else. And if you fight, if you want to hit out and punch or kick, your actions actually speak louder than words that you speak more often than not. You can show someone that you're interested in them by eye contact. But if you decide to go, oh, I'll look around and not even show through my actions that I'm interested in you, it hurts. So remember, your actions speak louder than words. And watch what you write. Watch what you write. That's jumped over quite quickly. There we go. This has become a pandemic in our time. And for those of you that are older, you just think back 10, 15, 20 years ago, we had nothing like even emails. Email, I remember when email came out, I was like, oh, this is so cool. There's no faxes anymore. You can just communicate with someone via email. And I used to write email after email to Chantel when she was home on holidays and I'd just be writing emails and I don't know how many emails I would have written. But that was a really cool thing at the time. But today you've got all these different social media messages slash things on your phone right at your fingertips that men and women, even boys and girls, are writing hurtful, hateful, unseasoned comments, words and actions that really hurt. And sadly, it's become a pandemic of our time. There's young people breaking up over text message. There's people writing hurtful comments on Facebook. And you go look in the law courts and you'll see time and time again of people like stalking and writing things that are hurtful and hateful to football players of all people. They don't even know who they are. But they're writing such horrible comments that it hurts. You know what? We can't be immune to this. We can't just sit here and think, oh, it doesn't happen in the church. It's not us. This last week I've dealt with three different instances of someone writing an email that's really hurt a pastor. I'm surprised how much your words that you share can hurt and really stir up emotion and pain and trouble. 
I used to sing a little song when I was in kids' sub school. Be careful with eyes what you see and be careful with ears what you hear. I think we need to add a new tag to that. Be careful with fingers what you write. Because it's a new way of speaking. How have I dealt with this myself? I get some emails, I'm like, oh, I just want to hit that send button. I just want to get onto this email and hit send. And I get worked up, I'm like, if only I do this, it'll be a good left jab and I'll get back at them. But I've learned that if I can't say it to that person's face, don't say it at all. That's my rule of thumb. And so in all I communicate through social media, through emails, I always say, am I willing to say it to that person's face? The other thing I do is I actually step back. So if I see there's an email there, I step back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave that there. Because the instant reaction I have will be hurtful. But if I walk away from that for 12 to 24 hours, when I come back, I'll see it in a new light in a different light, and respond differently. That is seasoning with salt. That is allowing ourselves to be gracious through the love of Jesus Christ. How else do we share and speak love? Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. In Ephesians 4:15, Paul writes, speaking the truth in love that it may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. Now in that passage there, Paul's talking about the body of Christ. And he's talking about the fact that we have been given the truth. That we have doctrine and we have the word. And this is the truth. And he's talking about how each of us being given different gifts to speak the truth. To build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. And he says, and speak the truth in love. Now there's some well-meaning Christians out there that think that I need to make sure that my brother and sister know the Roman Catholic Church is the wrong church. No. They're Christians just like you and I. They don't go shooting other Christians. And there's Christians out there that line all the dots up and they have it all ready to go like dominoes and then they come back here and like, oh, you watch this. And they get at their Bible and they go whack, 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 whack. And they use the Bible to bash people over the head because they say the Bible says and the prophecy says and the Word of God says and they use the Bible to bash people over the head and by the time they've finished bashing them over the head, they're like a stunned mullet. They've missed this verse. Whereas Christians, Paul writes and he says, hey, we've got to build up the body of Christ and we've got to speak the truth in love. Sadly, the sad reality for a lot of those people that try to speak well-meaningly is this is all they speak. And it goes nowhere. 
Whereas if we speak the word in love, we're speaking with our hearts open, our hands open, and we're sharing with words of love. And how do we share with words of love? We need to speak from the heart. We need to speak from the heart. A good man of a good treasure in his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure in his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, what does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the... By their fruits, you shall know them. Last week, Lockie challenged us to have a heart check. Is your speech loving? Is your speech patient? Is your speech kind? You see, it comes back to experiencing the cross of Jesus Christ. That when you experience the cross of Jesus Christ, when you fully grasp the fact that Jesus spoke love through his actions and through his words by standing on that cross, be nailed to that cross for you and I, that you cannot help but experience the Spirit's power in your life. You cannot help but pray daily, Lord, help me to speak through you. Help me to live through you. Help my actions to be yours each and every day. That it is this overflowing from your heart. Speak. Love, because my heart is full of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ will overcome anything that I've done wrong. He will overcome any of those words that I stuff up. But Lord, I want to just speak love in my life. Because I want everyone around me to experience your love. Let my words not be a clanging symbol. Let my words not just be a beat of noise. Let my words be seasoned with salt. And let my words be gracious that I may build up the body of Jesus Christ. That I may speak love into those around me. And that we as a church community can draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus. May you speak love into the lives around you this week. A few weeks ago, I went to Coles in Madriba. And I shared the story with the growth track um, crew that we had a little while ago. But I went to Coles in Madriba and there's a guy by the name of Brandon. And Brandon has a funny laugh. It's like, something like, <laughs> like that. And you... You know it's Brandon. But I look out for Brandon. 
And this morning at seven o'clock, he was on the Coles register. And so I'm lining up, and at that time, one is only register going, so you line up, and two or three of you behind the register. And I finally get to him, and he starts scanning. He's like, din, din, din. And I'm all dressed up in my clothes like I am at the moment. He's like, oh, so what do you got on today? I said, oh, I just work. He said, where are you working today? I said, Brisbane. Oh, my goodness, you've got to drive today, haven't you? I said, I'll do it every day. You go, what? Yeah, yeah, do it every day. I said, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a church director. What does that mean? Oh, I said, I, I, I direct 109 churches right around our conference, just how to be a better church. And I support them and empower them and develop them. Oh, that's cool. So you're a pastor then? I was like, oh, I am a pastor. I used to be a pastor before I stepped into this role. I used to be pastoring churches. So, so do you go around to churches and, and speak like on Sunday mornings? I said, yeah, I do. But not on Sundays. On Saturdays, oh, so what church are you? I said, oh, I'm from the Seventh-day Adventist church. The what? From the Seventh-day Adventist church. And meanwhile, he's still going, di, di. As you're talking, and so are they like Catholic or like, or like, like Baptist, something like that. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said we're Christian, just like them. Oh, but so we just worship on Saturday instead of on Sunday. Oh, that's cool. It's like so. What's today got to bring? And I said, I've got meetings, and I go for meetings with some pastors, and I've got a board meeting with the church. Oh, cool. So you do all these meetings as well. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's just about finished scanning items and I, I thought, you know what? I'll ask him. I said, so you're a Christian? He said, yeah, I am. I'm a Christian. So I thought so. I said, you seem to know a fair bit about the church type stuff. I said, do you go to church? He said, yeah, I do. I go to Glow Church, one of our churches down the road. I said, oh, that's awesome, mate. And then after he finished the last item, before he tallied up the amount, he said, Pastor, you know what? I'm called here. And here I was standing there thinking, oh, mate, you're called to be a checkout guy. Come on. I'm called here. I'm called here. He said, every single customer that comes through my checkout, I get to talk to them. And so I talked to them about their day. I talked to them about their life. He said, I've talked to men and women through different journeys. Some are facing illness and cancer. But you know what? God's placed me here. God's called me here. So I can speak into their life and I can pray for them. Because each person that comes through, they don't know it, but I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I would never know how many families, men and women, boys and girls have gone through his checkout. But God does. And God knows that he's there to speak love into that coals, into those people's lives each and every day.
may you speak love into those around you. And may we as a church draw our community into a loving relationship with Jesus.